Hello, this is William Rivas with the 518 Talks podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, today, my guests are Wham Theater. My name is Leah Russell Self. Um, I'm the associate producing director, and my pronouns are they, them, there. Awesome. And I'm Kristen Vangenhoven. I'm the producing artistic director of Wham Theater, and I use she, her, hers. <laughs> and we are here today to talk about a project that they have going on at Wham Theater called Pipeline. Um, today, you know, we just really want to talk about the project, uh, what, this, what this play really means. Um, and what I really love about it is while we're meeting here today, you guys are also going to take an opportunity to stroll over to the Cocoa House to meet with my youth in a little while, which I think they're going to be incredibly excited about. So really just talk to us about the project and, and, and you know, what its impact is. Yeah, do you want to start with the beginnings, the genesis of this project? Yeah, sure. And I also think it's a really cool connection that... Um, Rachel, who is the founder of Coco House, yes. is um, collab collaborates with Harmony Homestead, is one of the founders, I think, with her family of yes. Harmony Homestead, and they are a beneficiary of this show, one of the two. And so Wham Theater is a professional theater company that works at the intersection of arts and activism, and we use theater to work towards gender equity. And one of the interesting things about Wham is that in addition to choosing plays that really promote gender equity through an intersectional feminist lens, we also choose beneficiaries for each production and we donate a portion of our box office proceeds to them. That's amazing. Yeah, and this is our 10 year anniversary. And so in our first 10 years, we've donated over $65,000 to 17 different organizations for things like maternal mortality, um, women's leadership training, teen pregnancy prevention, sexual trafficking awareness, um, helping immigrant women on their way to a green card, keeping girls in school, financial literacy for girls, lots of different organizations that are out there doing this work. And for Pipeline, the current play we have running, the two beneficiaries are Harmony Homestead, that Rachel, the founder of Coco House, is yes. involved in. So that's kind of what got us connected to you. <laughs> and, uh, and the Women of Color Giving Circle. So that's kind of part of the genesis of the company. And then maybe Leah can share how this play came to us. Yes, so our associate artistic director, Talia Kingston, um, had read this play in American theater a few years ago. And she was like, this needs to be done here. Um, so we tried it out first with our Fresh Take series, which is a play reading series that we use to sort of start gauging plays that we might want to have as full productions, as well as um, going, like allowing us to have more plays that we present in the Berkshires that promote gender equity. Uh, so we did this play reading um, in Williamstown in August of 2018. And it was a huge success. Um, and we were like, this has to really get full, like fully yeah. produced. Um, so we brought the director who um, so graciously led our, our play reading series, um, our play reading for Pipeline, um, back to do the full production of the main stage Pipeline. Um, and the show itself is about the intersections of race and class and how that plays out in our current American educational yes, system. Um, <laughs> and how it, it just lets down young kids of color, especially young black men. Um, and the parents that are going through these struggles are trying to find out how to help their children the best way possible. Um, 
Do you want to talk more about the play itself? Yeah, I mean, it's such a wonderful, the main characters are a mother and a son. And the mother, her name is Naya, and she's an inner city public school teacher. And her son is Omari. And um, the Naya and her ex-husband Xavier are divorced, and they have decided to send Omari to an upstate private school. Mm -hmm. And when he's there, various things happen in the... Um, you know, biased education system that ultimately lead him to getting a few strikes. Um, and then there's an incident that happens right before the play begins where, um, can we say what happened? Mm, I don't know. I don't we, we, we don't want to spoil it. Oh, we want to spoil it. Um, but it, he potentially is going to be expelled. And so the play is about, you know, this mother who's trying really hard to give her son all the opportunities that she can give as possible. And coming up against the systems of oppression that are really preventing him from fully reaching his potential and kind of the story of yeah. how they're trying to make that work. Yeah. And Naya herself is an inner city public high school teacher. So she gets to see a lot of um, the system's flaws mm -hmm. firsthand as an educator, Yes, which is a very important aspect of this play that is not just only focused on students, but also the educators who are are not being treated fairly in the system either, whose hands are tied. Yes. Um, yeah. So what I, what I love, what I'm hearing from you guys, and just a couple things is you're speaking about, you know, black men, uh, biased education system, and systemic oppression. All three of those terms are very <laughs> scary yeah. to a lot of people. A lot of people aren't comfortable having these conversations. What I love is, and me and a lot of the team that I work with, we talk about this, is you're seeing kind of this arise in theater, in art, and you're seeing a lot of these things being addressed. Um, it's almost a renaissance of such in which you're seeing so much of this wonderful work really being played out like, you know, they say life imitates art. Mm -hmm. So as I'm listening to what you guys are saying about a play like this, I think that's the most powerful thing about you guys speaking to kind of the youth in my after school program is because, you know, they need to kind of hear these things because this is their reality. These are the things that they're dealing with. You know, in, in real time, and, and as a kid, I didn't have access to this information. And I tell my kids all the time, with, with, with social media, with the internet, they are far more advanced than maybe even they really know as far as their ability to access information. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I didn't know these things were really going on until I became an adult. You knew there was something, mm -hmm. but as a kid, you couldn't really put your finger on it, on, on why some of the things were happening why teachers said some of the things they did. So, I mean, really speak to that, like in your own experience on why you guys are really doing the work that you're doing. Why is it important to you? Oh, um, well, for myself and a more personal aspect, I grew up in Atlanta. Um, I was very lucky enough to have a mentor who could help me navigate a lot of these issues. Mm -hmm. um, but even going to a predominantly black high school, uh, there are still a lot of these same issues continuously um, that I was coming up against. And again, as you just said, as an adult, it took me a long time to process and realize what was going on. Um, and it informs a lot of why I do theater. Mm -hmm. um, theater is not a standalone art form, it begs for community, it begs for engagement from our audiences, um, and it's why I pursue theater. And to be at WAM, at a place where activism and art can be t intertwined into, the into one project, yes. 
um, in a real way and not a placating, placating way. It's very um, immediate and here and right now. Um, it, it has allowed me to get involved in the community with this play in a very real way. Um, I think from early, from the very beginnings of us making sure we were going to do this project, uh, we reached out to Bridge, which is an organization based in Lee um, that does cultural competency work for businesses in the Berkshires Phenomenal. and beyond. Um, and I remember we asked the CEO, Gwendolyn Van Zant to come to the WAM office. We did a reading for her. Um, and I remember Kristen asking, is this something that you think that the Berkshires needs, wants? And she was like, yes. And let's make sure this happens. Um, so it's been a very intentional process. Um, back in March was our first retreat of um, three WAM um, staff members and two bridge staff members coming together and starting to sketch out what the community involvement mm -hmm. looks like. And this is before we have actors involved yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or really the production team, but it is that important to start that as early as possible. Um, I think that is one of our strongest suits on this project is that we started the community engagement first right right um rather than there's sometimes when as artists and as theater companies we get so excited about the work itself and we're like oh wait community is a part of this and we backtrack um this community has been there from the get-go um i think we were all quite inspired by the playwright's own um mm. set of rules of engagement that she asked for Okay. Any producing um, playhouse to put in the playbill. Yeah, and actually I brought the playbill with me because I wanted to share some of them because the, the playwright wrote these rules of engagement after surviving a series of microaggressions directed at black audience members at theaters where her plays were being presented. And so we've made this big um, lobby board and we include it in the curtain speech okay. because we really want people, so these are her guidelines to help combat white supremacy culture in the theater and ensure that every audience member feels welcome and able to engage with the story. You know, and there's seven of them and it starts from you are allowed to laugh audibly. You know, it goes to this can be church for some of us and mm -hmm. testifying is allowed and it ends with, you know, this is community, let's go. Um, and it really has changed how our audience is engaging with yes. the play yeah. um, because all too often you've got that older stereotypical theater patron who turns around to the person who's enjoying the play in a different way and does the shh yeah. thing, you know, and that causes I, damage. I'll be the one getting the shh. <laughs> exactly, and, and we want, instead we want to be like, you can laugh too, yes. you know, we can all engage. Um, and it was really important for WAMP, if Bridge... When we did that reading, if Bridge had said, no, I don't think that we can be partnered with you on this play, we would not have done the play. Because in the theater, and ourselves included, there's just too many instances where we don't do this well, where we think, oh, we want to present this really important story, but we don't think about the emotional labor of the artists. Mm -hmm. You know, of going out into the lobby after the show and having patrons come and touch their hair and ask them unconsciously biased questions or consciously biased questions. And we wanted to stop. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to really work hard to avoid that. 
and so working with bridge right from the retreat and kind of laying things out um, making sure we have you know action steps of what our audience can do um, making sure that we have a resource table in the lobby making sure our curtain speech you know making sure the talk backs are curated by bridge and then they're very structured so that um, and the actors don't need to participate in them. We've we've collected a bunch of other community leaders mm. who do those talkbacks, and then if the actors want to come, they're allowed to. But they're not obviously they're welcome to. Absolutely. Um, but after they've you know their job is to be an actor in the play. They are not expected to be an expert in race class in the American. <laughs> <education system. laughs> you know their job is to tell the story. Yes. Yeah, so. and I think something that um, with these action steps, which I'd love to just read a few aloud. Please do. Um, educate yourself is our first um, one. Listen to a book or podcast. Um, shout, shout out to the Five One Eight Talks podcast. Hey, Make hey, sure you're hey. listening. Um, volunteer your time learn and integrate knowledge about microaggressions bias hate crime hate speech create micro affirmations small welcoming messages of belonging for all each and every day through your intentions awareness and actions and creating conversation actively listening to those with perspective that are not your own and we know that a lot of our audiences um, are the typical theater patrons who have gone to theaters for their entire yeah, life. I was going to say, <laughs> I heard you guys say Berkshires a couple times, so I'm, yeah. I'm, in, in my mind, I'm really trying to think about this audience, and I'm saying to myself, okay, you a know. A bunch of progressive liberals. Okay. Yes, 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 I'm, yes. I'm, I'm thinking it, but I'm, okay. but I'm processing because I haven't been that way in a while. But I'm, I'm thinking to myself and I'm processing and I said, ooh, this play could make some people nervous in that area. So, so really just... Yeah. Bridge is 11 years old and they've been doing so much incredible oh work in our community. Yeah. And so it's, it's, we're, real, it's a, we're really seeing the fruits of the labor of, of Bridge's you know, anti-racism work of the past yes. 10 years because a lot of our audience, although there are still a lot of progressive liberals whose head has not popped out of the sand, there's a lot that have and who yes. recognize that we as the white people are the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, no, and I, and I think what you guys are doing really is phenomenal. And, and I've listened to you say it on a couple of times about in, you guys engage the community first. And I think in all projects, a lot of the time, that's probably the backwards approach because mostly they, they engage the community last in everything, in politics, in business, in art, in theater, in everything. What I've seen specifically is, is you know, the community's always engaged last. You know, we're gonna create a solution, we're gonna create something, we're gonna bring it to you, we're gonna give it to you, and then maybe, you know, maybe we'll send around uh, some sort of survey to ask you how you feel about <laughs> what we did for you because we did it for you. But really talk about being, you know, intentional in that process because I heard you both speak about that and being intentional and engaging the community first. And I think that's important for people to really know. Yeah. And it's not just enough to do work that highlights the black experience, which wonderfully can then um, entice more black people or people of color to the theater where they can see themselves on stage. But how do you also, um, with these types of action steps, create an entire audience from different perspectives yes. 
<laughs> to be more on the same page. I, I want to get a ticket just because I need to be there. I, yes. I need to see yes. like I <laughs> feel like not. I feel like I really want to experience this. Like I, in the beginning when I, we were talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I want to bring the kids. Now I'm saying to myself, I think I want to go first because yes. I really want to experience. I definitely still want to be bring the kids, <laughs> yes. but I'm like. I need to be here. Like I, I, I need to really. See, I want to see some of the reactions. I need to. I want to um and oh in the crowd, and I want to right. see some people yeah. like. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and you know we're still working on it, right? But it's we are, and and we're very lucky because with Bridge and also the two beneficiaries, Women of Color Giving Circle and Harmony Homestead, you know they've all been to the show, and when you ask that question of like personally, what does it mean to us? You know. Um, Leah Reed, who is one of the co-founders of the Women of Color Giving Circle, came to our first preview with her. It was her son's ninth birthday and her 16-year-old daughter. And they were watching it. And at the end, she said to me, like, my son is turning nine today and he's already experienced everything that the 16-year-old in the play has experienced. And for him to come yes. and see that on stage and know that he's not not it's not good that he's not alone but it helped it's what you're saying about like when you were young and you didn't have a you weren't able to see art imitating right. life it wasn't you in some ways art can provide a cathartic experience and the next day she came and watched it herself because she wanted to be able to just see it as herself because mm -hmm. she feels like she's Naya all the conversations the mother and son have in the play she's like I have those and we've had other women come and not just women of color I mean there are some white women who come yes. who are like I have the, those I'm having those same conversations with my kids yeah. um, so in in some regards it transcends race lines in terms of families but that feels like there's not enough of that that happens in the in the theater um, that we that we share those slices of so many different people's lives because yeah. the default has always been the classics and the classics are all written by white straight men yeah well no and, and that's what I really think is phenomenal about about this place specifically and really just the, the language and the energy that you guys have behind what it is that you're doing you know it, there's there's a thing where truth has a sound so you know if we're all in the same room anybody can say anything and make it sound good politically correct but to be comfortable in saying the things that are not politically correct and standing really behind the work, that speaks volumes for me because I do a lot of work in the community. Mm -hmm. And to really impact and create change across a broad scale, you really have to be you know, comfortable in making others <laughs> uncomfortable, if I can say that. Like, yes. and, and the great thing about it is, is like, you know, if you're not, what I love about you guys is you guys work as a team in tandem and, and it's so beautiful to see two women of different colors and different backgrounds, different experiences, share the same perspective, a similar goal. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and it's not something you really see too often. And what I really love about it is, again, in, I have a 15-year-old daughter. I have a lot of young ladies that I work with through the Cocoa House mm. who, who, who are in that space where we want them to be great, to have their voices. And that's why I really love what you guys are doing, the conversation, the energy, the, 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 the authenticity specifically about, behind what you guys are saying. Your voices are unique, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly glad we did the podcast <laughs> and, because, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that when people hear this, they are going to be like, what just happened? Yes. <laughs> Especially because when they see the visual and hear it, they're going to be like, yeah. Huh? Mm -hmm. What just happened? And mm -hmm. and 
Really? And, and, I'm glad, and I'm happy with that. I'm extremely comfortable with that because, like you said, it's something that needs to happen more often. Traditional theater and movies and what our kids are being shown don't show, it doesn't pass this message. It doesn't showcase or highlight these issues and these problems. And like you said, these are conversations that everybody are really having in their home because like, social justice has become so real due to social media, you can't hide it no more. Yeah. You, you, can't, you, know, you can't sit in your home and ignore what's right. happening mm -hmm. to black and brown children. You can't ignore poverty in the community. You can't ignore you know, uh, educational bounds and, and, and lack of real education that our kids are receiving, yeah. which gets me in trouble a lot of time because I tell people our kids are being educated to be employees while other kids are being educated to be employers. Yeah. Our kids are being taught wow. to... And it's a truth when you look at, you know, there's this thing where it's like, we have to fix the educational system. And it's like, no, the educational system is working fine. It's not broken. The problem is, is the education our kids are being given is the issue. They're being given just enough to work at McDonald's and, you know, while in other areas, our kids are being educated to be employees, uh, employers, bosses to run business Fortune 500 companies. And even in something similar like this, where, where, where art is being utilized to be that tool to showcase the issues with racism and white privilege and things like that, like that's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, the stance that's being taken, the voices. So like, I, I really applaud, like I'm excited for my, ki for my kids at the Cocoa House to meet you guys in a couple yeah, minutes good. because we have such well, a wide, we have such a wide variety of, of youth and experience, but they all come from poverty. Yeah. You know, they all come from the same poverty and their experiences may be different on where they grow up, mm -hmm. you know, their, their parents' experience and where they may go in life. Mm -hmm. But they all deal with these same things. So, so I'm ex I am extremely excited for you to meet my, my Cocoa House kids in a little while. For those who don't know, because I didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Why should somebody come see a, this play at Wayne? <laughs> Who wants to take that? Other than the obvious, because I'm. I mean, one, you have to be there for the language. The language is juicy, amazing, beautiful. Second of all, when you come and buy a ticket, a portion of your box office proceeds go to these amazing organizations who are working towards bettering POC life in the Berkshires. Um, and upstate New York, and Harmony Homesteads in Hillsdale, yes. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Harmony Homestead, uh, do you want to give a little description about Harmony yeah. Homestead? Yeah, I mean, to what Leah said, it's like you're supporting a, a female playwright. And the reality is that um, in American theater, less than 20% of plays that get produced are written by women. <laughs> and when you add a POC playwright, that number goes way, way down, mm -hmm. that percentage. So by coming to see Pipeline, you're reinforcing, you're like, I want to see more of those, right? You're making, you're supporting that choice. And then because it's a Wham play, a portion of your ticket price will go to these two organizations and they're using it to diversify the teaching pool in the Berkshires. So mm. at the moment, um, there's about 30% POC students. Yeah, you're speaking my language right now. <laughs> and 92% of the teachers are white. And so Women of Color Giving Circle has created a relationship with H a few HCBUs, HBCUs, HBCUs thank you, um, who have a teaching education programs. And so they're doing like that, those teachers in training will come to the Berkshires and do stuff in the summer and be able to go to Harmony Homestead to like restore after some time being in the Berkshires because it still is a very yeah. white area. Um, 
in the hopes of trying to like lure them to be like, I'm going to make this my home, yeah. right? To help those students. And so a portion of your ticket price is going to go to that, which is pretty awesome. It's phenomenal. And then you get to have an experience in the theater, which is funny. I mean, the playwright writes in laughter, you know, it takes a huge journey, but you get to see um, an exa a, a story of a family that either is similar to your own life or is different to your own life, but expands your horizons of what people are living with in our, in our system. Absolutely. And you get to have the opportunity to have a conversation that Gwendolyn and Bridge facilitate after to help deepen your learning, and it just takes everybody's blinders and just goes like that. So those are just a few of the reasons to come. Not to mention the leaves are still really pretty in the birchers. If that's not a reason, I don't know what else is. Yeah. And the artists are phenomenal, and they're working their butts off. And they've the director created, as you said this morning in another interview, a really magical community in the room. I don't know if you want to speak to that. Oh, my gosh. So um, Dawn Simmons, um, she runs Stage Source in Boston and Front Porch Collective. Front Porch Collective is a... Um, a theater specifically working towards uh, bring more POC voices to the forefront um, and she is a powerhouse like one she runs two big organizations in Boston <laughs> and freelances and, as a director so yeah. like you I don't think she ever sleeps like you woman after my own heart. yeah exactly <laughs> but she creates this family um, production style so we just went through what we call Tech Week, which is a very rough week where the actors um, finally get a chance to work with the set. All the designers got, get a chance to put all of the things that they've been working on, their own little silos, all in the same place in under a week. And it's very, it's very quick and very fast. Um, and often in many um, iterations, it's also very stressful. Um, and not saying that there wasn't a lot of work to do, but there was so much laughter and love at every moment. Like there would never be more than an hour that went by. Like even like within an hour, you hear like five to ten large outbursts of laughter. Everyone just like <laughs> cracking up because we loved each other so much. And being in that production with each other, um, both to like really give voice to this amazingly written story but also find joy and love with each other in a way that is authentic and know that we are about to like share this very important story mm -hmm. that's important to all of us in the room um, with an audience um, and, get, and giving voice to just our experiences and um, not the monolith of the black experience, which is often trauma, 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 trauma. Um, <laughs> But also finding the laughter and the sexiness yes. and the love at every every bit. Um, biasly, um, one of my favorite characters in the show um, is Jasmine, who's Omari's girlfriend. And she's Afro-Latina, and she's strong, and she speaks her mind, she's mm -hmm. honest, and she's poetic. Um, and I have seen my own versions of Jasmine's in my life. And what I hope um, from this production is if one or two people who connect with Jasmine can continue finding the strength to say what needs to be said, I think this world would be so much better. Just two, two of them saw it. <laughs> like, ah. Uh. No, 
I, I, I love it. it. It sounds great. I, I think a lot of people are going to be inspired by the work that you guys do, the work that's being done through the play. Um, we really want to connect people with that opportunity. So when and where can they see Pipeline? You can see it at the Elaine P. Bernstein Theater at Shakespeare and Company, 70 Kimball Street, Lenox, Massachusetts. And we will be running until November 9th. Yeah, and we actually, we have two matinees for people who want to drive out during the day, during the week. Um, if you happen to be able to, tomorrow at 12.30 and next Monday at 12.30. Okay. And those are specific connections with Bridge. Bridge has various, like a race task force and a, a white caucus and various other groups. Um, and the whole eighth grade from a school is coming. So there are some seats for the public if they want to come. And then it's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. Friday so and Saturday is 7.30, um, and Sunday's 2 o'clock. So that's November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And then next week it'll run Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday night, November 8th at 7.30, November 7th at 7.30, Friday the 8th at 7.30, and then Saturday we'll have two shows on their closing day. They'll have their only two-show day, one at 2 o'clock and one at 7.30. Well, I thank you guys for, for taking the time to, to come out here and sit down and talk with us. I thank you guys for, you know, committing the time to meet the kids at the Cocoa House. Uh, what's one message you want to give to the listeners or to the viewers at home before we head out? Give them your closing statement. What you got for them? Be yourself authentically, loudly, and vibrantly. That's what I've got. Wow, that's good. Um, I think mine is do what we need to do what you need to do to restore because the road is long and don't give up keep planting those seeds because people will wake up mediocrity is a choice and all things chase greatness uh, greatness belongs to everyone everybody mm -hmm. deserves to walk in their authenticity and their greatness i believe that um, and i thank you guys for taking the time out i, I promise you that this uh this one was special <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to love posting this in a little oh, while. Yay. It's really going to make my day because uh, uh, that shock value is serious. So stay tuned. Uh, thank you for tuning in to 518 Talks <laughs> podcast and talk show. It's your host, William Reeves. Check it out. Thank you to my guests, Leah and Kristen from Wham. Uh, you guys have a great day.